Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to our Tech Radio show for this week with all the latest in tech around Ireland and across the world. Thank you for downloading from our website at techcentral.ie using your favourite podcast app on your smartphone or indeed listening on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. This is our show for the week ending Friday the 17th of July and joining me as ever is Niall Kitson at Tech Central HQ. Um, Niall, as, uh, I, I'm the one with an interview this week, believe it or not <laughs> wow I've been chatting to a lady who runs uh, it's part of the, the uh, was it the Curiosity Festival the Festival of Curiosity there's the official name and she runs an event to kind of tie in with that week of events uh, in Trinity um, which is just fantastic she told me about uh, uh, some a duck with a number plate that likes creeping up behind people and scaring them <laughs> okay <laughs> you I know you're thinking, Dusty, were you drinking or doing, you know, kind of uh, yeah. stuff you shouldn't have been doing? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I need you to talk to one person. And this is what you there you go. This is what I come by with. Listen, it was great fun. Actually, do you know what? Uh, I, I, at the end of the interview, I was just going, this is brilliant because this is what we're all about. You know, like kind of like tech people and hackers and, and everything is possible. And I love this new gadget and all that. And this was just that bang on like you know which i wasn't expecting so but more about that later uh in the news this week though uh what's what what's what's going on what's grabbing your attention in the world of tech you know, we've got three stories to talk about this week and depending where you stand one is as important as the other but i know where you are standing or sitting uh most likely there is only one story of the week that i am I am sure you have been glued to the television for. I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, there is no point talking about anything else this week because Dusty will want to talk about this. Okay. Uh, the only thing that really has kind of got my attention this week, aside from trying not to fall asleep uh, listening to all the financial news, um, is Pluto. Yes. <laughs> I got it in one. I knew it. <laughs> It's, it wasn't kind of, uh, it just kind of, I went, do you know what the funny thing is, is that I just saw that story in the news and I just went, yep. <laughs> do you know what I mean? If, if, if my, if, if, if this had happened when my dad was my age, do you know what I mean? Like back in the sixties or whatever, whenever it was, he would have been just, oh my God, can you believe it? Whereas here I am all these decades later going, yep. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I knew you'd be you'd be you know stuck to this story like a mad thing because we've had a pretty good year for space exploration when you look at sort of the stories that have been unfurling. Like, I mean, we we have the Mars rover, we've got Curiosity, um, which got stuck and then got unstuck, and people were very happy about that. And now there's talk of sending a solar powered um, drone over to Mars that can affect very basic repairs or can fly over areas that uh, Curiosity would find very hard to get to, right? So you wouldn't have to worry about terrain so much. So we, we had the Curiosity story. We uh, also had the Rosetta and the Philae lander uh, on Comet 67P. And that's that's all been fantastic. Uh, unfortunately, Philae, I think it is now um, in shade at the moment. So I don't think it has much power. Um, so the, that's a little bit of an issue. But uh, 
you know, we had all that wonderful footage and we're learning so much more about, uh, about the comet. And now we have New Horizons, which is, which is orbiting the dwarf planet Pluto. And uh, we're learning lots more about it. And to, to sort of understand how little we knew about Pluto and how much, still in inverted commas, we know now, um, NASA put together a brilliant vine uh, of, you know, our first images up to what we got during the week. And it started off as just this white sort of dot with a, a little bit of a, I don't know, what you might call a, a halo or something around it. And they sort of progressed the image through the course of a vine. So it was only a couple of seconds. And it went from just this amorphous white dot with maybe a little bit of red in it all the way up to high definition, black and white image taken from what? 12,500 miles, uh, 12,500 kilometers away. And isn't that amazing? Do you know what? It is amazing. And, and then when you, you, you look at it and you look at the quality and where it's come from and, uh, and then you try to get a mobile phone signal in Newbridge. <laughs> well, this is, this is one of the fascinating things when you look into the technology that's actually driving New Horizons because I, this is old. I mean, this is an old piece of hardware that's been zipping along. Um, and yet it is 4.8 billion kilometers away and it's sending information to us on a modem that is 2.1 gigabits, kilobits yeah, per second. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, the other thing that really amazes me about just uh, just human technology and, and ingenuity is the fact that, you know, they can put these things together in the 70s or, or whenever, right? And then send them out there, but then update them and improve them as they are flying along. Yeah, yeah. I, and I found a, a website that you are... Absolutely. I'm going to tell you about this now and it's going to it's going to ruin the rest of your week, I swear to God. So there is a website that NASA operates and uh, it operates this thing called the Deep Space Network. And this is basically a set of uh, antennas that are located in three part three places around the world. So there's one set of antennas. And when I say antennas, I don't mean like TV antennas. I mean the big radio telescopes mm-hmm. that are on the massive dishes. Um, there, these, this network operates in Barstow, California, in uh, Madrid, in Spain, and Canberra in Australia. And it's basically like three antenna farms with these giant dishes. And uh, they're picking up signals from space all the time um, between, you know, 15 and 20 um, satellites or whatever, not just new, new Horizons, but other things as well. I mean, they've still got contact with uh, Rosetta, for example. Uh, so they're taking in all these um, sort of signals and you can go onto a website and you can see what each individual satellite is, what each individual antenna is doing, which satellite they're exchanging information with, the speed at which they're um, exchanging information and roughly where that craft is That's- in real time. Do you see, I'd only start playing uh, Contact. You know, it's a movie with Jodie uh, Foster in it about, yep. f- about first contact because that's exactly what they did. They would just sit there at these radios with massive telescope and radio antennas and all kinds of things just waiting for uh, uh, for something to come through and then one day... 
<laughs> if you've ever yep. seen the movie, you, 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 you'll know what I mean. Um, but it's insane. You could actually do that now on the internet yourself. <laughs> yeah, the, the website is eyes.nasa.gov forward slash DSN for Deep Space Network. Okay, grand. Listen. And this, this is all information that's coming across in sub-broadband speed <laughs> using a using a power 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 source a power source worse than a nine volt battery <laughs> it's it's stunning and that's what i say and this was you know decades ago they put that thing together and it's still out there and it's still doing its thing um yeah. tell me good news for uh people living on planet earth <laughs> Well, people living on planet Earth. And people, people living, living on planet Earth. Earth. Even though we can't get it. I was talking to somebody about mobile phones and, and, and Newbridge and driving along the, the Nace-Dual carriageway, the motorway around Nace, and the fact that the mobile phone signals are just pants around there. Um, we have some good news uh, for people around the country on the broadband front. What's that? We do, yeah. I mean, the, the last national broadband plan that was wheeled out roughly, what, mid-naughties at this stage, hmm. the plan was to get everybody on the internet, plan was get, to get everybody on broadband with a speed of, I want to say three megabits per second, but I could be wrong. I think the target might have been slightly higher than that. Hmm. And the way that um, this was to be done uh, was at three won the tender and the government would stump up some money and three would stump up some money and they would reach out to all these all these parts of the country where it wasn't economically viable for any other broadband provider to go. So if you were in the middle of Bally Go Backwards or in a coastal town and you know your TV aerial isn't fantastic, let alone broadband, you, three would set you up with one of these dongles. It would connect to their network and hey, you've got some kind of a broadband connection. Yeah, you you are now online. Uh, of course, the internet has moved on. The world has moved on. Uh, I mean, you're looking at a stage where the EU's target is to, or rather, yeah, I think it's the EU's target is to get everybody on 20 megabits per second by 2020. Now that's a Europe-wide goal. Uh, in Ireland, the goal is to get everybody or when I say get everybody, it's mean, it means give everybody the chance to be on 30 megabit broadband by 2020. Now, that's 100% coverage. Um, at the moment, the plan uh, is to get 85% on to 30 megabits by 2018. So we've got those two deadlines, 2018, naturally enough, coming up in, in three years' time. Uh, fairly ambitious target. Uh, it's probably attainable and probably much more attainable in the era of fiber broadband and uh, over-the-air connections where 30 megabits, it's it's doable. Do you know I mean, what? I'm, you're, what? You're, you're forgetting one thing, which is an absolutely brilliant solution and reaches every single home in the country and we've spoken about it many times here on the show and that is the partnership with uh, Vodafone and the ESB yeah delivering internet and uh, and they are well able i would say of uh, providing high speed internet certainly of 10 30 megs or higher to every single home in the country and it's, i'm kind of i'm listening to you kind of talking about this and i'm going why 2020? I mean, the wiring is there already, you know? It's, it's, yeah. it's just a matter of setting up the electricity uh, exchanges to, to internet enable them. 
it is, but that's a process in itself. I mean, you remember earlier this year when I went out to Cavan to see one of the pilots games and they, they were trialing speeds of one gigabit, mm. you know, like, I mean, you know, forget 30 megs. That's what I'm know. saying. That's what I'm saying. It's, so it's a new world. But um, what's interesting about Syro, which is the ESB Vodafone um, joint endeavor, and there's, uh, I think, Aircom are on board with their own as well. Um, you know, fiber to the home is the new technology I and mean, you're just going to have to get used to it. I think UPC even are in for something of a rude awakening because <laughs> they will go, look, we have all these services. Look, we've just bought TB3 and people will be going, yeah, but we want gigabit broadband for some reason we might need in the future. We're not sure what it is just yet. Mm. So in UPC, our, their upper end offering, I think they're talking about in the region of 200 megabits at the moment. I think you find so, that's 250. 250. Wow. And we've no idea what, what we want that for yet. But at some stage in the future, we will find something. Yeah. Um, so it is that element of future proofing where I think in a couple of years time, you might look back and go, I'm looking, I'm watching 4K video in every room in my house. I need... <laughs> Yeah, more than uh, 100 megabits forget 30 well i don't oh. know i don't know what's going to happen i was talking to somebody the other day and you know we were just talking about the fact that like you know two-thirds of the traffic on the internet two-thirds of the traffic on the internet is netflix yeah yeah it's like you know that's insane one company and the entire internet and it's and people just want more and faster and it's a, where's it gonna go and it's like you say you know we're sitting there with 240 megs whatever at the top end with 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 upc which is one of the fastest speeds in the world um and still we want more yeah of course we do and it's perfectly natural to want more i mean if okay somebody says to you that's that's you, fine but why but why is it that the government are sitting there going oh we want to have 30 megabits per second <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I in think five years time my god well, would you buy a single are, piece of technology now that you would expect to be using in five years time yeah but there are a few very good reasons for picking that number in particular i mean if the eu is saying 20 of course we're going to say 30 why because we want to pitch ireland as a place of you know the smart economy or the knowledge economy Mm -hmm. we want tech companies to know if they come to ireland they will have a really good backbone and if that means we can deliver good connectivity speeds to absolutely the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. no respect to people who live in the middle of nowhere but you know what i mean well then that bodes really well for competition for services within the urban areas now uh, when you look at places that the national broadband plan is actually looking to reach which are these remote areas this is where the role of the government comes into being because syro is it's not a retailer it's a wholesaler they will say we will put a network out there you know Sky come in, buy it, operate it, you know, Aircom operate it. You know, they're a retail service. Mm. So, you know, Syro might become broadband by three or something like that. We, we don't know just yet. But the whole point is that Syro will come along and say, well, I'm not, it's not a done deal. We're just taking Syro as an example. We'll say, look, we'll stump up some money. Government will say, we'll stump up some money. There you go, broadband connectivity, someone else comes in and run it. Aircom might go, look, we've been doing some regional work as well. We're totally up to it. We're, we're interested in fibre to the home. Government will go, okay, here's some money, go develop it. They go develop it. What's really interesting is that all these new fibre to the home endeavours, they're all targeting regional markets. They're not looking for Dublin. It's like, you know, Dublin is well served. There are too many players in the market or, you know, maybe UPC and Aircom have it sewed up. We're, we're not terribly interested in doing fibre to the home in Dublin. Or maybe, look, 
there just might be too many houses in Dublin to service by that deadline. See, but I think you make an excellent uh, an excellent point, though, about the fact that government has to step in and has to look after people in uh, those hard to reach places. Um, but then again, I, uh, my only point is that, you know, that maybe they're thinking too small. And I, when you look at Dubai, all right, would Dubai say, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to we're going to we're going to build a ski slope. <laughs> but dudes, you're in the desert. Don't care. We're going to build a ski slope. You know, we're going to build the biggest, tallest building in the world. And they just go and do it. Like, you know, why can't, yeah. you know, Ireland think big? Why can't we just say something? Do you know what? We want to have one gigabit internet connection in every single town with more than 10,000 people living in it. And then for everybody else, 30 minutes. <laughs> Listen, uh, uh, we've, we've still got uh, plenty more to talk about. Amazon Prime, uh, basically, they're just trying to invent their own Black Friday kind of a, a job with this this sale thing that they have going on. Yeah, yeah. It was Amazon Prime Day was uh, this well this past Wednesday, hmm. and I think it was a great example of you know you you can't manufacture cool. You know, you you need, no. you know, something established. You need something people are genuinely looking forward to. You can't lump something on people and say, this is the best thing ever and have a stampede. It's not Cleary's on the first day of the sales. It's not Arnott's the first day of the sales. You know, and this has always been the attraction of, what, 78th of December uh, in Dublin or the first day of the sales in January or, you know, Black Friday. Some, yeah, well, some kind of a day has 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 grown. Is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. No, and they're I'm trying to just done. pop in and just do it all in one go and in one day. Boom. Hey, we've, we've invented. You know, ah, do you know what it reminds me of? Arthur's what? Day. Oh, yeah. Good example. Good example. It's like you can't manufacture a national holiday. Yeah. You can get away with it once as a promotional thing. Yeah. But you know, people see through it. these things fairly steadily. I mean, if well, you set up a national you know, e-commerce day based around one online store, it's not going to catch on. <laughs> well, do you know what? I, did, I, did, I, I had a quick look in on Amazon. There was actually a book that I was looking for and it happened to be on Wednesday and I happened to find the book and the book was only one cent. Isn't that amazing? But would they ship to Ireland? Yes, they would for $16.50. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't buy it. Now, listen, uh, rapidly, or sorry, finally this week, uh, tell me about Reddit, because there's all kinds of things. And it seems like Reddit are in retreat. Okay, right. i got to give you a timeline on this just to get the story straight. So eight months ago, a woman called Ellen Powell was um, uh, hired to be chief executive of Reddit, which is an online community very similar to boards.ie. And uh, Reddit is founded sort of on the, the principle of you know freedom of speech, but it's also meant to be set up to be the front page of the internet. If you want to find out what's going on online, just Go to the Reddit homepage. Bang, there's absolutely everything you need to know on a given day. And it's been very successful at it. Got it. Remember Metafilter back in the day? Uh, It's still going, but I mean, it's the same idea, only with commentary. So Ellen Powell comes in as chief executive of um, Reddit. She sets about doing something Reddit kind of has to do. Reddit is owned by a company called Advanced Publications. So straight away, there's warning bells going. Uh, Reddit was initially acquired by Condé Naste, who uh, published Wired and Vogue and all these. It now exists as a subsidiary of Advanced Publications, which is Condé Nast's parent company. So it's sort of a little off to one side. But as, as with anything owned by a large company, it's got to start making money. And you can be fairly sure this was part of the brief when Ellen Powell came in. She was told, look, by all means, let Reddit do its thing. But 
you've got to find a way to start monetizing it properly. You know, this isn't a charity. Mm. This isn't some guy operating 4chan out of his bedroom. So one of the things that Alan Powell set about doing uh, was shutting down certain parts of Reddit that were just purely objectionable. This is this comes with the territory. Whenever you try to monetize something, you've got to clean it up a little bit. So she uh, said about closing down five subreddits. Now, given this is a website with thousands and thousands of forums, um, she to- she wanted to shut down five. One, one, of, one of them was called Fat People Shaming. So, you know, we're, we're not talking about you know, important freedom of speech issues here. Um, there was a little bit of an uproar. You know, the perception was, here's this woman coming in. I, I'm sure in some quarters, you know, it was italicized. Here's this woman coming in to uh, our playground looking to take away our toys. We're not happy. Uh, but at the same time, it was like, look, we really can't defend these parts of Reddit. Fair enough. We're, we're not going to miss them. But uh, look, we're, we have you on notice that this isn't something that we're terribly happy about. Uh, fast forward uh, a little bit. One of the most popular things Reddit does is these Ask Me Anythings AMAs where regular people can send messages to um, uh, sort of public figures in a moderated way and they will answer back in real time. So you, you might get somebody like, uh, we'll just pick, say, uh, Hollywood actor X. will sit down for an hour with somebody from Reddit sitting beside them answering questions online. And it's, it's great. It's fun. Uh, even Barack Obama has done one. Uh, and the person responsible for moderating these things was a, a lady by the name of Victoria Taylor. And she was really the, the person behind them, uh, sort of the talent liaison, if you will, uh, and also um, a member of Reddit staff. Now, bear in mind, like Boards.ie, most of Reddit is made up of volunteer moderators uh, who are looked after by a, a professional team of administrators. But what happened was that there was a, one of these AMAs with Jesse Jackson didn't go down, didn't go down particularly well. Uh, pretty soon after Victoria Taylor was fired, uh, almost immediately after there's speculation as to why did this happen? And next thing you know, the moderators go, look, we weren't consulted about this. We weren't told about this. We're shutting down our, our forums. And a fair chunk of Reddit just goes dark. And lots of users go, look, yeah, if this is the direction Reddit is going, we don't like it. We like the fact that it is what it is. If you've got to change it, we're not going to like it. Mm. So lots of... Uh, so big, essentially, is it a case of they gave power to the people and now they're trying to take it away and it's backfiring? Uh, I think that's certainly part of it. And I also think that the chief executive that they brought in uh, was set up to take an awful lot of the heat on it. Uh, Ellen Powell, already a controversial figure when she came in, um, uh, was took the brunt of the heat on this, even though the decision to let this girl go actually wasn't hers. It, well, that decision was made by executive chairman of the board, uh, Alexis Ohanian, who apparently had his own ideas for how the AMAs should be run uh, and wanted to take them over. So it's, it's all getting very Machiavellian. But the more I looked at it and the more I sort of compared it with what's going on in boards, I was like, this would never happen in Ireland. And it's not just down to the scale. I think the way Reddit is being trying to run more like a business is really hurtish. I mean, the, the boards.ie is really managed to get that balance between commercialization mm. and uh, volunteer moderation broadly, broadly good. Uh, they've ad- ad- adopted some of the AMA stuff, granted not with actors or high profile people, but with people that it would actually suit you or benefit your life to know more about and from. So, uh, yeah, not good times for Reddit. No, no, but it's a, it's an ongoing story. And as I say, it's it's interesting how they're going to handle it. And uh, we, we'll keep an eye on it as we go along. Now, listen, let me uh, play you the interview that I had earlier on the week. I spoke to a lady called uh, Laura Tobin, and she's from Dublin Maker. And they have a website, dublinmaker.ie. And it kind of 
Do you know what? Initially, I thought this is kind of like an arts and crafts kind of a thing. All right. Okay. <laughs> where, it's, where it's you go off and you see people. Da, da, da. But by the time it got to the end of the interview, I went, oh, my God, I'm a gadget guy. I, I've got to go and see this place. All right. <laughs> It all happened in about four minutes, and here it is. Uh, I start off by asking uh, Laura just exactly what Dublin Maker is. Okay, so Dublin Maker is a one-day, hands-on, family-friendly outdoor festival of making. So it takes the form of like a a show-and-tell experience where makers can come and demonstrate to the public what they're making and share what they're learning. So it's really, you know, for people to come along, see what different types of things that people are making, and, you know, maybe get involved. Okay, now... When you say that, all right, what kind of making are you talking? Are you talking about knitting? Are you talking about cookery? Are you talking about We're something techie related? Everything. So we've got everything from electronics to crafts and even some um, crafts with electronics. So we've um, like jewellery wearables that encode secret messages. We've got a lot of robotics. We've got the science of brewing. We've got um, also a lot of crafters as well, you know, with traditional lace making. Um, we've got a guy who makes hand-carved rocking horses and we've wood turning. But then on the other side, we also have a lot of, you know, technical and electronic stuff from um, neurohacking. Um, Intel, our main sponsor, are bringing a lot of their um, research on um, the, uh, sorry, the Internet of Things. Ah, yes, of course. Well, that is, that is the trendy phrase of du jour. It is indeed. And the nice thing about Intel is it's not just, you know, the Intel employees showing, you know, their Galileo boards and what the Internet of Things is and what it can do. They all, they have a lot of, you know, makers and young makers from Coder Dojo and different other groups coming along to show. Like we have um, Kira, who's nine, who's coming with Intel and she's going to show off a smart dollhouse. Have you seen this dollhouse? No. All right. Yet. What have you heard about it? It's like when you say it, it sounds like a, an oxymoron. Do you know what I mean? Smart dollhouse. Uh, but, well, what is it? What could it be? It could be like our normal house. So you know, when the doll enters the house, the lights come on. If you open a window, um, the alarms go off. I haven't seen it yet, but I know it's a house with lots of sensors that's connected to the internet. Do you know what? That is fun. That really... And and you could have a practical use for that because you could have the doll to be with your kid and certain things happen in it. Oh, yes. Yes. The whole, my mind is starting to spark with the possibilities. So where can we that's see exactly all... That's exactly what Dublin Maker is now. So that's why you have to come along and see. And if Kier, who's nine, can do it, anyone can do it. There you go. Where, where, what is the where and the when of Dublin Maker? So it takes place on Saturday, the 25th of July on the physics lawn in Trinity near the Pier Street um, entrance. Right. So we have a lot of marquees set up just at the back near the cricket pitch and the rugby pitch. Ah, very good. It. And is this a one day only event? It's a one day event, but it's an annual event. So this is our fourth year. So wow. we have over 40 makers coming from all over the country and even from abroad. And is it getting bigger and bigger every year for you, Laura? It is. We've grown so much. We've um, we had difficulty squeezing everyone in this year. We had so many applicants. And uh, over the last couple of years, then what what has been? Oh, I'm going to ask you the, the horrible question of you know what was your favourite? Give, give me give me two or three that kind of have stuck in your mind. Um, I think last year, Todd, the Dublin um, Hackerspace, they made a giant mobile duck. So they got a mobility scooter and they built a frame of a duck around it. <laughs> a duck is their mascot. And it was roaming around Trinity Grounds and it quacked and it had a number plate. It was brilliant. <laughs> Frightened a lot of people sitting down. <laughs> they had this duck come up behind them. Um, 
And our other sponsors, the um, Institute of Physics, they have a great stand where um, people, they have to book beforehand, but it's free. They come up, they make their own rockets, and then they fire them out over the cricket pitch to see how far they can go. Now, that's a, it, it, that is an unmissable day. I would absolutely, no wonder it's getting bigger and bigger for you every year. Uh, where uh, is there a website online that we can get more information? Yeah, we're on DublinMaker.ie and you can get us on Twitter or Facebook at DublinMaker. And that was Laura Tobin from Dublin Maker. The event is on next Saturday, the 25th of July. You can find out more about it at DublinMaker.ie. And, of course, it's part of the uh, Curiosity, the Festival of Curiosity Week as well. All right. Now, listen, is there anything uh, on the website that we haven't covered today that we should be checking out at TechCentral.ie? Yeah, good news for Windows uh, 10 uh, followers. Uh, it looks like if you've been in the Insider program and you've updated to the latest version, it looks like you, mo- you might actually be running the RTM version, uh, which is the version that is being shipped to manufacturers as we speak. Ooh, get more on that at techcentral.ie. That is it for our tech radio show for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Do remember, you can get the hourly updates on tech news along with their daily newspapers from techcentral.ie as well as our weekly tech radio show here online and every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. So next week, from myself, Dusty, and from Niall at Tech Central HQ. Thanks for listening. Take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.